Hello and welcome to the Relationship Matters podcast. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters. Hello, I'm your host, Katie Churchman, and in this episode, I've got special guest Maddie Weinreich on the show. As well as being the past director of faculty and leader development at CRR Global, Maddie currently serves as a senior front of the room leader for the AUSC program and AUSC certification. Maddie's passion for personal development and human potential contributes to her success in the field of relationship coaching. For more than 25 years, Maddie's own marriage has provided her with deep insights into the joys and challenges of a committed relationship. While raising her family in New England, Maddie has developed a great aptitude for helping others to discover the gifts that come from empowering relationships. These gifts serve to transform clients' lives and help them move forward. Maddie believes that all relationships have the potential for more growth. And here she is, talking about how to make your partner your ally in relationship. So Maddie, it's so exciting to have you on the Relationship Matters podcast. I would love to hear firstly about why relationship matters so much to you. So how did you get into this work? Thank you, Katie. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of this. I feel relationship matters in so many ways. And to be here and to be sharing this with your listeners, I'm really excited about it. So I first got into relationship coaching for my own personal development. I was on a development path, just learning about myself back in the day. I started, I went to a personal development program and I got really excited about it. And I started to operate from a different place than I had before in my life. So rather than trying to get away from something that was difficult, I started to move toward what attracted me. So that was the big shift that I made. So I was out there looking for, well, what attracts me? And I went to a training, a leadership training program for facilitators. And the woman who was training us empowered everybody in the room. And I was fascinated by how did she do that? And she told me she was a coach. So I said, what's a coach? So she told me what a coach was. And she told me where she'd been trained. And so I thought, ah, I'm going to try this coaching thing and just see if I can learn some new language because now I'm in a different place in my life. So I went to the first weekend. It was a, a foundational weekend for basic coach training, and I liked it. And I did start to learn how to listen properly and how to ask powerful questions and things like that. And in the class, I did pretty well. And part of the homework was to practice. And I practiced on some people, and they, they hired me as their coach, even though I was just learning this. So I, then I thought, I'll take the next course, I'll take the next course, I'll take a certification. So I became certified as an individual coach, uh, CPCC with the Coaches Training Institute. And in the meantime, I built up a large clientele. As I was doing this, I thought, oh man, couples really need this. <laughs> couples really need coaching. I'm going to figure out how to coach couples because I had just my own personal journey, which I'll tell you about in a minute. But I... I wanted to just apply these same principles to couples. So I was going to figure it out on my own. And at the time, CTI had an advanced training called ORSC, Organization and Relationship Systems Coaching. So I figured, ah, why reinvent the wheel? I'll go see what they have to offer. <laughs> I'll see what they have. And then if I still want to do my own thing, I'll do my own thing. 
So I went to the ORS training and the rest is history because they had it pretty much figured out how to work with a system and how to activate the intelligence of a system. And I could now go and apply that to couples. And the two founders, Marita Freejohn and Faith Fuller, had been family couples and family therapists. So a lot of their orientation and the beginnings of it, I believe, came from their work with couples and families. So I went through that training and had to coach couples each weekend when I took the training and really fell in love with it. So that was my sort of my training approach to learning about couples and how that got me there. And then afterwards, I I had all the skills and tools, so I started coaching teams as well. And also I coach a lot of family businesses because there's that a similar dynamic that's in the couple that's in a family business. And then I also coach just regular corporate teams and nonprofit teams as well. So the, the tools and skills that I learned from CRR, the ORSC training, I apply in many, many different ways. That's so interesting because I do think this idea of couples coaching is still quite new. And people wonder why would we get a couples coach? We're doing fine. And yet we'd get a coach in every other area of our life. And so why wouldn't we think about you know, where we want to go in terms of goals in our personal lives. You know, it makes so much sense. A lot of people, though, there's a little bit of a stigma Mm -hmm. that comes, I think, from couples counseling, uh, which is great. I've done, I've done it all. I've done couples coaching, couples counseling. My, my husband has come with me to all kinds of things because we are adventurers in relationship. And so sometimes in, in counseling, often they're bringing you back to your childhood or to who's the problem in the relationship. So sometimes people are reluctant and they think that coaching and counseling are the same thing. But as you mentioned, they're really not. Coaching is really about part of the human potential movement. It's about moving forward in relationship. It's about what do you want to create together? Not so much about the past. It can come in a little bit, but it's really about given where you are, given who you are, given what your situation is, how do you want to be with it? And how do you want to move forward together? I love that term, adventurers in relationship. So I'm guessing this work has profoundly affected your personal relationships too. Oh my gosh, yes. Well, part of what drew me to it was as a little kid, I was watching my parents and I was listening. You know, little kids, you're paying attention to what's going on with your parents sometimes. And they they both wanted the same thing, but they weren't hearing each other. So I, I kept thinking like, you both want the same thing. Why are you not connecting? And they didn't quite figure it out. But I was on this quest as a kid to find out what makes a relationship work. I was fascinated by it. So if I slept over at a friend's house, I was kind of paying attention to how their parents were. I noticed my aunts and uncles and relatives and how they were being. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do this differently, you know, when I grow up. So I grew up, I got married. My first marriage only lasted 10 weeks. <laughs> it totally blew up. And, uh, and I was like, oh, I guess I haven't figured it out. So, so that didn't work. It was heartbreaking at the time because I was young. And, and then I still felt that there was this potential that a couple had to work together to create something that was bigger or more or different than what they could create on their own. And then I met my husband And we've been together for more than 40 years. Like I did figure it out. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I figured it out. And we, we use the concepts, you know, I sprinkled them in and I have two grown sons and they, they were part of it because they were just kind of leaving home. They were in their teens when I started getting into this 
now they're in their 30s. And those, some of the concepts we learned and things we talked about, conversations that we had as a result of my training, I believe have helped us to be a very strong, solid, connected family. And do you think this work has been harder or easier in your personal life compared to, say, professional coaching? Oh, I want to say different. Okay. I want to say, uh, and here's what I experience as are some of the differences. Couples, first of all, there's there can be more of a for the sake of. So if there's a couple and they have children, they're invested because they want the children or they're invested because... Maybe they want to have sex and they haven't had sex in a while. They want something that's important to them, that means something to them. So so that's one thing. And the other piece is couples can be, they know each other's, what do you call it, hot spots, hot buttons, (laughs) and they can push each other's buttons like there's no tomorrow. So couples can really be meaner to each other. Then at work, at work, there's often a kind of politeness that can show up. There's different things that happen at work too. There's an investment at work because it's often people's career, but it's not the same kind of investment that they have in an intimate relationship. So different kind of investment, different desire for outcomes, different willingness to try things. So sometimes a couple be willing to really try something because they really do want to connect. They really do want that partner to be their ally rather than their enemy. And so they're invested and they'll try things at work. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. There's a different kind of buy-in that you have to get. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, I've been coaching a mix of couples and teams and couples, it just moves so fast, so fast. Yeah. Keeps you on your toes, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, it's very fast. It can be fast. Like sometimes, and often if a couple has an ORSC conversation based on maybe an ORSC activity or tool that I take them through, and it reshapes the conversation that does take them, can take them somewhere very quickly. It does happen. It can happen like that. Other things, the stuff that's entrenched, that's perpetual, that's been there for a long time, that can take a little longer to shift and move. So with regards to to relationship, right relationship, relationship matters, how can we really start to apply that concept to our most intimate relationships? Oh, there's so many ways. When we start to look at the fact that the relationship is a system and that each relationship has its own unique identity, And my relationship with my husband is different than your relationship with your husband or another. There are different qualities. And when we realize that that relationship is an entity in and of itself, and we need to nurture the relationship, feed the relationship, listen to the relationship, contribute to the relationship, when we realize that there's actually a responsibility there, then I think we can start to access the gifts of what the relationship has to offer. So we were saying offline about the idea of your partner becoming your ally. I'd really love to hear more about that, that concept that you were talking to. Yeah. So what I am fascinated by is oftentimes people are looking for a partner. They want a partner. They want it so badly. They'll do everything to find a partner, to meet somebody. They long for it. They want it. So then they find the partner. 
through whatever means they meet that person and they, they connect with that person and they marry them or they connect with them on a deep level and they want to have a committed relationship. And shortly thereafter, not it's usually a couple of years, but shortly thereafter, within a couple of years, all of a sudden they're complaining about that partner. And that, that partner can become their enemy. And they're complaining and they've got things to say and there's toxins that emerge in relationships and things like that. And that partner that they longed for so much often becomes an enemy. And I believe that we can access the person who sleeps six inches away from us at night. Like, what if we could tap into the potential of what that relationship has to offer? What if we could, what if that was a safe harbor? What if that was uh, someone believing in our dreams and we believed in their dreams? Uh, John Gottman says, relationship masters support each other's dreams. And what if we did that? We could actually go further and do more than we could on our own. That's what I think. We have to enroll an ally and We don't do that by being toxic, by blaming and complaining. That's not going to really draw them to us. And if we learn how to access that, how to draw people, how to have partners turn toward each other rather than away from each other, I believe that there's a kind of synergy and collaboration and interdependence that can really help them grow as individuals, but also that they can grow as a couple. Ah, so grow as individuals within the partnership. That's lovely. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really important. So when you were saying about the idea of these couples, they start off really lovely and happy, and then they start to turn away. Why do you think this happens? Do you think it's because we start to just fall into pattern and habit, and we stop seeing them for who they are? Well, great question. I think it's partly that. But also, when we first get together, there's a chemical called dopamine, which you people probably heard about. I am not a scientist, so I might not be speaking properly about this. But from the studies I've done, there's a chemical that happens when we first meet someone that we're attracted to. And it's dopamine. And it's in our DNA so that we can mate and so that the population can continue. So we're drawn and attracted, and often we just have stars in our eyes when we first meet that person, and they're so special, and often we'll put them on a pedestal and just admire all these qualities about them. After about 18 to 24 months in a relationship, that dopamine starts to kind of quiet down, and there's another chemical that comes in called oxytocin, which is the comfy drug. That's where you, or comfy hormone, you sit on the couch and watch TV, you make a nest together, that kind of thing. And that's kind of designed for raising the family. That's nature. That's, I think, nature at work. And then all of a sudden, that person that we admired and looked up to and appreciated all their qualities, all of a sudden, those same qualities, they just don't look so good. Where we thought that their attention to detail was just amazing and they took care of so many details, all of a sudden, they're picky. (laughs) You know, it's the same quality, but we see it differently. And so part of that is also projection. It's something that we do as human beings. We project qualities on other people, whether they're positive or negative. And part of what we learn using ORSC tools is, is how we do that and how to, how to own a little bit of that ourselves so we're not so separated from those qualities. So I'm guessing a lot of us have been in this comfy stage for the last 
six months or so. We've been fast tracked there if we weren't there yeah. already. Yeah. So what do you say to, to couples perhaps still in a sort of lockdown phase? Well, you know, this is fascinating, Katie, because I have a lot of colleagues in China and a lot of our ORS courses take place in China. And so I've been on phone calls when we first, at the beginning of the year, beginning of 2020, and after China had already been through their quarantine. And so I asked them a couple questions because <laughs> I, I could see what was coming to our country. And I said, first of all, how long were you in quarantine? And they said, 53 days. So I thought, okay, I got to prepare myself. I'm going to think 100, you know, for us. <laughs> Just knowing that their country they honor their government more than we do in America. And so I just had this feeling it would be at least twice as long. I didn't know it was going to be a year or whatever. And so I asked them about that and I said, are there a lot of babies? Is there a lot of pregnancy? Because I kind of assumed that if people were home together, they'd maybe be making babies. And they said, no, actually there's more divorces. Oh my gosh. And that's exactly what I said. I said, oh my gosh. And so I realized that being home alone, like you said, there's the oxytocin, so some people can navigate it. But for other people who are accustomed to being out or traveling or working at a distance, all of a sudden that being home, if they didn't have all the tools and skills they needed, which is normal for most of us, that there would be some challenges and difficulties. I know in my work, I was traveling twice a month. So if my husband chewed with his mouth open, it didn't really bother me, right? Because I'd be home. And when I thought, oh, 100 days, I'm actually going to have to sit on the side <laughs> rather than in front of you. Like, we've got to negotiate some stuff. We've got to talk about some things. And that was a silly one. But it was something that wouldn't have bothered me because, look, I'm traveling and we're talking on Zoom, not having meals together a lot of the time. And so now here I was at home with him and there were things we had to talk about. There was, we had to kind of figure out the space, like how are we going to navigate this? And there are so many challenges for people who are home in quarantine or even not in quarantine, but just home in that it's so upsetting and unprecedented that most of us are just not prepared for that. My husband and I had a, a similar, we went basically to our coach because um, we needed to redesign our DTA essentially, because I travel a lot for work. And when I'm not, the home is my office, whereas suddenly Dan's now at home too, and we're sharing this one bedroom apartment. And so thankfully, we've managed to move into a two bed <laughs> three months in, uh, a little bit more space, metaphorically and literally. Yeah, there was, a, there was a lot that we weren't used to. Like I'm not used to having my lunch with him and him being there and just you know, all that space that was there previously, I think that everyone has been compressed in some way. And we also had different ideas of what we were going to do. So at first I was like, oh, being on vacation at home with you, this is my dream come true. We can clean out the garage. We can reorganize our house. And his plan was, I have a cabin I'm building in the woods and I'm going to go dig the well. Like he had very different <laughs> thoughts about how he wanted to spend that time than I wanted to spend that time. So again, different dreams, different ideas, different ideals that we had to have conversations about. I would say we did pretty good. I'm, I'm sure we could do a lot better, especially if it looks like this is going to go on for another year or so is my guess. I don't really know. But yeah. 
Yeah. And would you say the things that showed up for you were in that 69% that Gottman talks about? Like the things that were were there already, but now they're just magnified because it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're lockdown. talking about perpetual problems. Yeah, so those mm-hmm. perpetual problems are under a microscope now because we can't really get away from them. My, my son told me something that he read. This isn't the right words, but he said something like, avoidance is not the same as emancipation. So avoiding something isn't the same as being free of it. And if now you can't quite avoid it, it's like you have to face it or it's going to blow up. So there are, and I'm working with a lot of couples who, are, who want to navigate that, who want it to be better, who want to find a way to make their relationship work even better. Yeah, I mean, we've definitely been given time. And it was a great time for my husband and I to go into coaching. And we learn a lot. And normally there isn't necessarily that space to dedicate to coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a really good time for coaching because in coaching, you learn tools and skills and you practice doing things a little bit different way. So if you want to be the architects of your relationship, if you want to co-design how you want to be together, create a vision together, this is an ideal time to do it. Like you said, because you've got the time to practice things at home, to try things out, to experiment and really see, well, what can our relationship do? What are we capable of? What could we create together? And for coaches working with couples that have never thought about that idea of they're the architects of their relationship, what advice do you have? Because it is quite a new thing to a lot of people, this idea that we can be intentional about our relationships. Well, oftentimes couples come to coaching because they've got something that's not working. That's usually, some, co- some people come, they want to go from good to great. And they already know that and they, are, they know about coaching and they know that it can take them there. Most people, however, come and they call it communication challenges. That's usually what people say. We don't, our communication isn't very good. So when they come, we start to talk about it. And often I'll educate them about the work of John Gottman or recommend his book, The Seven Principles That Make Marriage Work. But also I'll just talk a little bit about how normal that is, to, that your relationship has those challenges going on and that it can be a portal or a doorway to creating something new together and have they ever considered that and usually the answer is no do you know that you can design your relationship well the answer is usually no we just do what we do we fall into what we do and we do that and oftentimes that doesn't work so a lot of times when folks come to coaching they're being educated they're learning oh, I didn't know we could do that. Oh, I didn't know that's how you felt about that because I haven't really been listening. Mm. So sometimes it, it is communication. It is listening skills. It is how to ask for something or how to come from I rather than talking about you do this and you do that, talking more about the self. And then it's easier for your partner to hear. So sometimes it's just a small tweak of communication and they hear each other differently. And then the creative wheels usually start turning. That's such a good point. Sometimes I want to throw everything and the kitchen sink at them. And something as simple as active listening can be so game changing. Absolutely. Or stepping in your partner's shoes, Mm. which is a lot of what we do, this empathetic understanding. So we have tools and skills and activities that really help couples walk over, stand in their partner's shoes even if it's just for a moment, realizing they don't have to give up how they feel, but are they willing to try it on? Are they willing to look through those eyes and experience the relationship or whatever the issue is through the other person's 
experience through their body and, and their interests. And they look through there and sometimes it's like, oh yeah, that must be hard for you. Or I can see how you want that. That can make sense. And then they go back to their own place and they've got this expanded information. They've got more range in the relationship, more to draw from in terms of creating rather than just their own little point of view. Yeah. Every time I've run a tool that enables them to, or gets them to try out the other person's shoes, it's been so powerful. And that's from my experience as well, being coached and coaching. It's amazing that physical sort of step into someone else's shoes. And it's like, oh, I didn't see it like that. Suddenly, a whole other story shows up. whole other story. Stand in someone else's shoes. Then we have them often stand in the place of the relationship between the two. And from there, they get a whole other point of view. Well, they think, well, this one is saying this, and this one's saying this. And I feel torn as the relationship. And then there's more information. There's more perspective. There's more ways of looking at it. And that tends to open up the relationship. So do you have a favorite tool that you use with couples? I have a couple favorite tools. (laughs) So, of course, designing an alliance is where we start. Just helping couples have a conversation, which is intentional. It's setting an intention. It's setting a design. It's creating what is the atmosphere that we want to have together. And there's a conversation that happens around that. How often do we do that as couples? Never. (laughs) But once we learn how to do it, you could be on your way to a party. Well, let's design. How do we want to be together? I was with my husband and we were going to visit his family. And we said, well, what do we want? Well, we want to feel like we're connected no matter what room we're in at the house. And we want to have fun. We sort of talked about that. Well, when we got there, my husband proposed a multi-generational hide-and-seek game so that everybody from little kids, three or four years old, to great-grandparents, and we all hid around the house and this great game ensued. Had we not had that conversation, I don't know if we would have played hide-and-go-seek with everybody that was there. But just that, it just starts to open up the door for creativity. So designing the alliance, number one. That's fantastic. On the Design Alliance, can I just ask how you make it alive for them? Because quite often I get just those generic words. Oh, we want to be kind. We want to be considerate. But it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't land or live in their relationship. Yeah. So I might say, well, how would you know there was kindness? Oh, great. What would be happening? How would you be behaving? What would it feel like? Paint me the picture of kindness. So sometimes they might say, well, it would be like such and such. And they'll, they'll say it would be like, you know, the rays of sun coming down or something like that. So, so step into those rays of sun right now. So we might have them embody it or create a metaphor. or So we don't just take the word at face value. Ask a little bit more, what does that mean to you? What does that mean in your relationship? How would you know what's happening? What's a gesture that would represent it? So we hang out with those qualities a little bit longer than just writing down the first thing they say and just putting that in their designed alliance. Although that's not a bad way to start. Yeah. So you really get into the behaviors behind these words. Yeah. What does it mean? How would you know you had it? And then what are you going to do toward creating that? What will you each do? So there's a kind of accountability. Otherwise, they're just putting the words out. Sometimes they put it out and think the coach is supposed to create the atmosphere that they're talking about. But part of the designed alliance is, accountability. So you've said you want kindness and fun. What can your partner count on you for? What are you going to bring to that? How are you going to bring kindness and fun? 
What will be your contribution? And so that helps them take ownership of it. And once they learn about designing the alliance and they take that home, things often start to change at home as well. Oh, that's great. And I love the way that you designed with your husband just before a party. That kind of shows how every day this tool can become, not just this big thing you do once every 10 years. Right, right. Yeah, shorter and sweeter. And when I work with couples, I give them like a form to practice the first couple of times. And then I say, you will create your own shorthand for this. And that might be going into a party and wink at each other, say, all right, let's stay connected while we're here. Or the in-laws are coming to visit. Let's have this be heart-filled time. So it could wind up being something very simple, but just learning those steps of it and having that conversation and setting the attention. And then afterwards, having a debrief conversation. Well, we said we wanted kindness and fun. How did we do? Did it feel like that to you? Did it feel like that to me? Here's what you did that really, I felt brought that alive. Here's what I did. Did it land? Did it work? So having a debrief conversation, next time, what do we want to bring forward from that designed alliance? And what do we want to do differently or add? So it sounds like cumbersome, but it's really worth it. It's a small investment and usually a very helpful outcome. That's great because then the couple becomes the coach themselves. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's so important, Katie. My job is to become obsolete as a coach. So when I'm hired, I say, you know, here, I'm here. We'll do whatever number of sessions you want. We'll get it going. But I really want you to do this without me. That, then I feel like I've been successful when they're designing alliances or stepping in each other's shoes or listening in, in a better way. I feel like I've, I've done my job if they fire me. That's great. So what's the other tool that helps you set them on their way? Another tool that I really like to use is lands work from geography. And we were talking about empathetic understanding. And that's what that tool is designed for because each person has their own way of being, their own way of seeing, their own values. And so if there's a topic that they feel differently on, it could be as simple as how are we going to spend our vacation? And let's say one person wants to stay home, clean the garage, get organized, and the other one wants to go to Tahiti, right? I mean, it could be that different. So each person is right in what they want. And the land's work helps them visit each other's land, each other's way of being, each other's values and what's important to them. And so by doing that, they'll see, oh, there's something about cleaning out the garage that actually makes sense, that is interesting. And there's something about going to Haiti that the other person learns about. So you get educated about what's important. And then in land's work, you actively create something from the best of the land you visited, the best of the other. So that is, in my mind, it's a conscious, intentional way of moving forward with the best of both. So I I like to use that. I just realized with the idea of the royal we, that sense of who we are as a couple, I guess quite often those individual voices can get lost, whereas land's work breaks it down into its parts and then you intentionally choose what is in that, that we. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's intentionally, it's creating, it's building. That's what I love about it. The other part about land's work is often we think somehow if we listen to the other person we're agreeing with them or we're giving up what's important to us. And with land's work, it's really important to own your own land, to live there, to embody it, to celebrate it, and then to share it. And then knowing that you don't have to give it up 
That, that I think is key in the land's work is really owning your own land and yet being influenced by the other land. And I think that often helps couples pivot in a slightly different direction. Oh, I love that. Oh, Maddie, there's so much more to ask. I'm aware of time. Yeah. We're going to have to get you back on the show, I think, to break down these parts. But okay. thank you so much. So well. I'm wondering if we can sign out with just one top tip, one final tip for couples right now. Oh, yeah. Here's the tip stay. (laughs) Just stay. If you stay in the relationship, you have the possibility of working through it. That would be my tip. Even though it's hard and you don't want to, and you're going to kick and scream and fight, stay so that you can actually get the benefits of learning and growing together. That's great. Thank you so much, Maddie. You're welcome. I want to say a big thanks to Maddie for that wonderful discussion around partnership, relationship coaching and love. There was a lot of useful advice in that conversation, both for couples and couples coaches. And my key takeaways for working with couples are as follows. Help couples to create shortcuts for building DTAs, design team alliances into their everyday life. How do they want to be together at this party or at this family gathering? simple agreements that can completely change the way they show up. Encourage them to debrief afterwards. Land's work can help to build empathetic understanding. Because each person has their own way of being and seeing the world, if there's a topic they feel differently on, Land's work can help couples to own their own land, their own position, and yet be influenced by another person's land. This can help couples to pivot in a slightly different direction. To find out more about Maddie's work, do check out crrglobal.com. And to make sure you never miss an episode, do subscribe to the Relationship Matters podcast wherever you get your podcasts. From the boardroom to the living room, we believe relationship matters.